Speed Green. Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. (laughs) This is Birds 365. Hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack. And join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go. Let's go. Go. It is Dallas Tuesday, Dallas week here on Birds 365 and in Delaware Valley. I know we got days to talk about Dallas, and we will do so plenty over the next several. But here also on NFL trade deadline day, you got the Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen and Jody McDonald. Eagles made a couple of moves yesterday that Jay Mac and I are going to break down. Uh, but first things first, Johnny Mac, what's it going to be like? at the Novacare Complex today. A lot of moving parts that you don't always get on a Tuesday, but some added excitement slash emphasis put on today, correct? Uh, Well, yeah, from the perspective of obviously it's the trade deadline. Your GM is Howie Roseman in this town, so it's always probably uh, a little bit more uh, impetus of, of, uh, you know, something getting done uh, than most cities. But... You know, remember in the past how he's done stuff before the deadline. He's already done that this year. Um, we've not done, any, done anything at the deadline. So, um, but he's always looking. He's always trying to improve. And that's where he uh, sort of laps the rest of the field, so to speak. So, a uh, big day for him uh, in the organization as a whole. But for the coaching staff and everybody else, it's business as usual. It's coordinator day. Uh, all those guys are going to speak. Uh, Sean Desai, Brian Johnson, Michael Clay. Um, so from their perspective, not much changes at all. But obviously, Howie's uh, going to have the phone attached to the ear today. And we'll see if he can get something done on top of what he already has. But, uh, you know, this is arguably already the best team in the NFL. So, um splashes i mean there's been whispers about patrick sertan i can tell you uh they love the player but i mean damn it you're talking about two first round picks plus i I don't know if that's something that's that's doable at this stage of the game so if something does happen i think it would be um more of a a less splashy move what is contavia street doing today Contavious Street's biggest deal of the day, all due respect to James Harden. The Eagles might have gotten more back. 
I'm joking. Uh, they, they, Contavious Street's on his way to Atlanta. Um, obviously, uh, Eagles essentially for future draft positioning. Uh, they kind of did the the flip of draft picks, but a year down the road. So uh, they're getting a six round pick this year. If Street plays and giving up a seventh round pick and and giving up a seventh round pick in twenty twenty five, getting a pick back in twenty twenty four. He's got to play in six games though. The interesting, you know, he had his best year in New Orleans where Ryan Nielsen was the co-defensive coordinator. He's now the D.C. in Atlanta. So there's the the impetus to get him there. And they lost great Grady Jarrett over the weekend with a torn ACL. So they needed some help. And from the Eagles' perspective, it's good news because and, – and I'd already heard that Jalen Carter's MRI came back well. So if it didn't come back well, they're probably not trading Contavious Street. So it's good news from the Eagles' perspective. Uh, yeah, and it doesn't surprise me that they moved and tried to get some of those late-round picks uh, at least back in the mix. Right. Um, it doesn't hurt. It's not a big deal. I think you've called them a couple times. An NFL player. That's what Contavious yeah. Street is. He's not a needle mover. He's not a star. But he's a solid, rotational NFL player. And the Falcons were in need of one with the Jared injury coming down. So uh made sense. It's not anything that you're going to go, oh, my God, Howie Roseman taking another team to the Clint. No, not really. It's a trade that could help both teams. I think Falcons will benefit from him just to give him some defensive tackle depth. And, yeah, any any extra you can put in your bag of tricks leading up to the trade deadline to potentially make a move is is a good thing. Again, not, not going to swing the needle all that much. But uh, Contavious Street gave a solid eight games while he was here, and he was he, he uh, suited up every single game, right? We were wondering yeah, if he played all would be eight a- games. He, uh, you know, he I, – I thought uh, – he got over his career Eagles high, but he missed it by one snap. So he played 22 snaps um, against Washington because Davis and and Carter were banged up. Uh, he, he played. He actually played 23 against the Jets. Um, I believe that's the game Carter missed. So uh, that's why he played so much uh, in that game. And yeah, he's a solid player. He's a solid player. I think it's a good move. For the Falcons, because I said their DC knows them, had success with them, um, and they lost a big time. They, you know, maybe their best defensive player. So you got to do something. But uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, it's not a needle mover, certainly, but it makes a lot of sense because you know he's a one-year guy and just here and get something for him. And, oh, by the way, if you just look at Eagles roster and the guys that have been active every single week, Mauro Jomo has not played. Has he been active one game, maybe two out of the seven? He's on that uh, DMP coach decision list. That's part of it, too. And, you know, that's a rookie player they like. And maybe they think he's ready to take on that limited role, get a few more snaps. Right. They got Thomas Booker on the practice squad. They got Noah Ellis on the practice squad. So, they got a bunch of bodies, and they always have a bunch of bodies in, on the defensive front, as we always talk about, because that's how they build the team. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Morrow's gotten basically almost half a season to learn. 
you know, typically when nobody's banged up, Street would get five to ten reps. They think he can handle five to ten reps. That's why the trade makes a lot of sense. And right, it gives them some capital, not a lot more capital, but any addition to your draft capital helps if you're going to do something again today before four o'clock. Trade deadline is four o'clock. Any other indication that uh, on a move yesterday that made you believe how he's not done yet? He's going to try. Doesn't mean he's going to get something done, but he's not up in his office going, yeah, don't take my calls. I'm going out to lunch. No, he'll he'll be manning the phones right up until 4 o'clock. They redid Kevin Bayard's deal, and this is standard operating procedure in the league. If you can move money around, you do it. If you need the cap space, he's under contract next year for $14 million. I'll I'll put the number at about 99% sure that he's not coming back on the current contract he has. Would no, you? Would no. you agree, Johnny Mac? It's going to be well, one from of both sides things. because that number's not guaranteed. So he's not going to want to come back, believe it or not. You know, it, it generally you want, you know, that's that's what happened with Darius Slay this year. Technically, he was under contract, but it was the last year of his deal. The the money wasn't guaranteed. So both sides want to get something done. And and generally at that stage, you either move on uh, if you want to move on or you work out some kind of uh, uh, extension where yep. the player gets guaranteed money up front and you, Howie's very good at that, obviously, and Jake Rosenberg, and you, you lighten it as, as, as much as possible to get more financial flexibility, um, by extending the years and the Eagles are big on the voidable years trick. So um, yeah, they'll, if, if Kevin plays well down the stretch, yeah, they'll rework his deal, give him some guaranteed money, extend the years and probably put some voidable years on top of it as well. So that's how that will shake out. And he's, he's already got voidable years from his previous deal with yeah. uh, the, the Titans. So he'll be the king of voidable years if the Eagles decide to go. Hey, everybody is now. Everybody, copycat league, everybody's still in voidable years now. While the right. smart teams. So uh, Bayard could be one of those unique players that get voidable years from two different teams. But it gives them flexibility. They cleared up about $700,000 just for the cap this year alone. Now. Uh, I feel the need to always explain this when this is the case. They need to work that deal out with him going forward. Otherwise, it's just going to be dead money because he's not going to be here. And you move money forward into a future year. You prefer not to have big gaping numbers of uh, dead money cap on your hit going forward. But they believe it tells you that they're going to work hard to try and keep Bayard because that will lessen dead cap money if he's back here again next year. Um, but uh, if they think they needed the extra 700000 just to give him flexibility going into the day, that to me means how he's still looking, how he's still shopping, that he's not necessarily done at this stage. Well, that to me is always a redundancy. You know, when people say, how he's still looking, he's always looking. I mean, you know, that's that's baked into it. He's, he's that well, you guy. You won't so. be looking at five, at five o'clock today. It's well, that, it's, no, the rules. There's a deadline that tells you when you can look till. The rules uh, prevent that. But when, when things are in play, he's looking uh, always. He does, in other words, he doesn't stay all right i acquired robert quinn last year before the trade line i'm done he was still talking to people did he get anything done no um but yeah i mean that's 
one of my things with uh, people who throw out, you know, the trade rumors and they go and the Eagles at the end uh, because, yeah, he checks in on everybody and everything. And that's what he should do. That's his job. Uh, other GMs should take note of that. That's your job. Uh, you should always be looking. And so many do literally say, oh, no, we're not looking. We're not, we're not, we're fine. We're good. We're not, we're not looking to trade anybody. We're not, I mean, what are you, what, what, are you, what are you doing? That's not your job, you know? Including this week's opponent. I told you this last week, Jerry Jones, on the record saying, Oh, we won't be making any calls. We we think we've got a good enough team here now. Doesn't make any sense. Somewhere to call us. Uh, we're not going to uh, shut off our phones, but it's just his brashness and trying to be a little cocky. And if he thinks uh, confidence will, will breed to his players because he's saying he's not looking to trade anybody, okay, fine, Jerry. We we know that you could use an upgrade. I said last week I thought they could use Bayard more as much as the Eagles could have used Bayard because their safeties have played lousy football all year long. And how he's out there upgrading the roster while Jerry's beating his chest, sitting a game behind the Eagles in the stand going, oh, no, we're good. We don't, we don't need to be making calls at this stage. Yeah, you do, Jerry. Get with the program. Uh, so that is one of the teams, in addition certainly to the Eagles, that I'll be watching today leading up to 4 o'clock. You think the Cowboys will get something done? Yeah, Jerry's just uh, he's beating his chest a little bit, but you don't actually believe that they're uh, just going to sit on their hands and no, not I, to no, I believe they're going to sit on their hands. That's what they typically do. They're not a big trading team for whatever reason, because I guess <laughs> I'm uh, because of their reputation, their money. People act like the Cowboys. They're, they're actually very conservative in their history uh, as far as. Uh, making moves and doing things like that. Um, so I would say if I'm a, yeah, if I'm a betting man, yeah, I would always say the Cowboys are going to sit on their hands. Um, now that doesn't mean they can never make a deal. They've never made a deal or anything like that, but history says they're very conservative compared to other teams. And that's been the case really uh, for many, many years, despite, this weird reputation, I guess, because he's got so much money and they have so much money. People assume um, they do all these crazy things. They they really don't. They're they're pretty conservative by NFL standards. No, I don't. I I hope it stays the same for the Eagles' sake this week with the Cowboys coming to town because uh, they are only one game back. This is. John, it ends up this becomes a really big game for a lot of different reasons. The biggest one, one of which you got to check the standings. And the Cowboys are only one game back in the loss column. If they win, not only do they pick up that game, but they also have a tiebreaker advantage. And the Eagles have to go to Dallas, where the Cowboys, I believe, have won 11 in a row over last year into this year. They've got the longest home winning streak in the National Football League. Yeah, this this the way that the schedule has played itself out, despite the, the fact that the Eagles are seven to one, have the best record in the National Football League, they still still got a divisional fight on their hands with the Cowboys coming to town here in week number nine. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, you know, in a lot of ways, they you know the Eagles can handle their own business. Not, not in a lot of ways, they can handle their own business uh, against the Cowboys. The team I'm concerned about played last night. And the reason I'm concerned about them is, A, they're a good team, but I'm talking about the Detroit Lions. 
but they play in a bad division that just got worse this weekend uh, because the Vikings are are really the only other relevant team in that division, and they lo- were, I should say, and they lost their starting quarterback, and the Lions still got to pay him t- play him twice. Yep, they still and got him twice. I think they have Chicago twice, and I think they have Green Bay once more, but it's at home. So what I'm trying to say is they're going to pile up wins, Jody. Uh, and they might not be the best team, but they're going to pile up wins. So if you if you don't keep piling up wins, and all of a sudden um, you lose that that first round by that number one seed, and I know a lot of people people look the Lions' history is the Lions' history, and even if the Eagles have to go to Detroit, people are going to be very confident they're going to win the game because of that history. But that's a good football team. And I know they lost to Baltimore, and that's everybody has hiccups, and that was an ugly performance. Um, but, you know, just make note of the Detroit Lions. Yeah, their schedule the rest of the way is significantly easier than the Eagles, but there is one big game left on the Lions schedule, and that would be the Cowboys. And those are two teams that are, at the moment, coming up behind the Eagles they both can't win that game. Somebody's got to win that one. Somebody's got to lose that one. So uh, that is one week where the Eagles will be okay because they know someone's taking another L from behind. All right, Jody Mac, Johnny Mac, here with you on Birds 365. Got one of our favorites, Tommy Lawler from EaglesBlitz.com. I've uh, been reading his stuff all week. He's excited. He's an old-time uh, Eagle reporter, so he knows the bad blood between the Eagles and the Cowboys gets renewed this week. Tommy Lawler from EaglesBlitz.com joins us next here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to move to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. 
Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Dallas Tuesday here on Birds 365. Oh, we're going to talk about the Cowboys with our next guest. But I also want to get his thoughts on the Eagles' win on uh, Sunday against the Commanders down in D.C. Tommy Lawler uh, writes an outstanding column for his website, Eagles, I-G-G-L-E-S, Blitz.com, and stays on top of the birds. And uh, if you check out his website, you'll get his weekly insights what was your main insight after the 38-31 win against the Commanders on Sunday, Tommy? Thank God the Eagles don't have to play Washington for another year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that team just gives the Eagles fits uh, the last couple of years. So you're glad you won those two games. You got them in the rearview mirror. The offense looked really good. You know, Jalen Hurts had a, a terrific game, really threw the ball well, and, and just the, the passing game really clicked. Uh, but, yeah, there were some issues. The run game wasn't great. And then the defense obviously had a rough day. You don't want to give up 472 yards and 31 points to Sam Howell. That's uh, that's very discouraging. Yeah, it is. On Yeah, but, I, you know, I kind of brought up, Tommy, one week you shut down Tua and the Miami Dolphins who are on this historic pace, and the next week you can't deal with uh, Sam Howell and the commanders. Um Jim Schwartz would always tell me games have personalities. Can you just chalk it up to that? Sometimes games are shootouts. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes you're going to have games like this. And when you find a way to persevere and win these games, um, that's a positive. Well, there is some truth to that. But this is the third game that the Eagles have faced an Eric uh, Bieniemy-led offense. 31 offensive points in the Super Bowl, 31 points in week four, and then 31 points on Sunday. That's not personality. That's, that's, yeah, that was a good game plan. I said that from that's the ability to put together a small ball game plan and to execute it well. We saw it in the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes didn't throw for 200 yards in the Super Bowl. No, they were, and they ran for 158. And Washington, Against so the, like the Dolphins, the Dolphins wanted chunk plays. The Eagles do that and they played accordingly. Washington comes in and if you're willing to play small ball, it's really hard to stop it because your quarterback's getting the ball out quickly that negates your pass rush. You can have Hassan Reddick and Joshua flying off the edge. Ball's gone in 1.8 seconds. There's nothing you can do about it. You can yeah. have Reggie White, Lawrence Taylor, and <clears throat> whoever else you want. They're not getting to the quarterback in 1.8 seconds. So if the, if the, if the quarterback's getting the ball out quickly and you're basically what it is, the offense has to be willing to take three and four yard plays and march methodically and slowly down the field. And when they're willing to do that, they can have success. The Eagles have to figure out more of a counter for that. 
Uh, they got lucky. They the, the the one turnover they had was just a bad throw from uh, Sam Howell. And then on that one drive, there were two drops, amazingly, by Terry McLaurin. Yeah, I know. That was – that. Was, you're getting a break there. I mean, he's typically the Eagles killer, and he's dropping uh, dropping two footballs. So that now, was that was thing. right after he got lit up by Sidney Brown, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's part of – when you're playing a team that plays small ball, you've got to make them pay. And if you think about what the Eagles did against the Dolphins, think, think of all those times that, that Miami caught a pass – they were swarmed on by Eagles tacklers. There were some physical hits. The Eagles played that really well against Washington. Uh, when, when the ball goes to James Bradbury's side, love James, but he's just not a good tackler. He's not a good hitter. So you get a free pass there. And they're just, they're, they're wanting the, the flying to the football and the hits. And uh, it, was, it just wasn't a good showing by the, the back seven on Sunday. And you mentioned what they did the week before against the Dolphins. Now, they didn't do it on every single play, but they did it sporadically, and I thought it worked very well, except you don't do it to the cheater because he'll he'll make you pay real big. <laughs> they actually got up and played some in-your-man, in-your-face man-to-man and checked the wide receivers coming off the uh, line of scrimmage, which made Tua not be able to go 1.8 seconds and then deliver. I don't know that they did that on one player in one play against Washington this past. It was all backup, 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 backup. I'm interested to see what Sean Desai has to say today because one of the things I've been giving Sean Desai credit for up to this past Sunday's game was he at least has shown some flexibility. He's got his general core tenants, his tenants, uh, Sirianni's tenants, but he's willing to take a wrinkle every once in a while and do things a little differently. Last week against the commanders, it just looked like, all right, here's our defense and we're playing it. And we're we're not going to react at all to the success that the opposition is having. I thought he had a lousy game plan. Uh, the Eagle players did not play well, but I thought Sean decided did a lousy job as well. How about you? It's hard to say. Um, they tried blitzing. It just didn't work. Sam Howell lit the blitz up. Uh, Paul Domowich had the stats on yeah, Twitter yesterday. Yeah. And I forget what they were, but he he really – and the blitzes just weren't getting home. They, they were getting some pressure late, but Howell, again, got, was getting the ball out. And the game plan I, – I haven't gone back to rewatch the game, study it, take a look at it thoroughly. Um, it didn't look like a great game plan, to be sure. So here's the problem. Sean Desai comes from the Vic Fangio School, which says we don't want to give up chunk plays. Washington comes in and says, that's great. We're not going to throw chunk plays. What do you do? When they do what you want to do, <laughs> you know, <laughs> then it's up to you to really come in and, and, and figure out a way to, to try to take that away from him. And he didn't have a lot of answers, but let's be honest, the players didn't execute well. Uh, Reed Blankenship gave up the touchdown to Logan Thomas, and he just had bad leverage. You don't let the tight end inside of you. You have to play inside leverage there. If not, it's just seven on seven pitch and catch. Then Reed Blankenship didn't, uh, didn't get over on McLaurin's TD. You know, you, you've got to get depth on that. You're, you don't let that. And, and Reed Blankenship had talked about those, those plays in the, in the postgame. Um, you know, he knows he made mistakes. So a lot of it's on the players. But Sean Desai would be the first one to tell you he didn't do a good enough job, obviously. Uh, he did try to do some different things. They just, whatever buttons he was pushing were not working until yeah. Sam Howell magically uh, came down to reality in the second half and Listen, Jim Johnson he was the first coach I ever heard talk about this. He said he didn't mind 
uh, offenses playing small ball. That's what he wanted offenses to do because he said at some point you're going to have a holding call, a tackle for loss, a drop pass, an, a, a bad throw, and it becomes second and 10, uh, second and nine, third and 12, and that's when we get you into a favorable situation. We can attack then, get you off the field. Well, Sam Howell started 16 out of 17. At that, I quit keeping point. He might have stayed super hot in the next couple of passes. But 16 out of 17. If you were doing a seven-on-seven drill in, in August, 16 out of 17 would be good. Uh, the guy was just making good reads, quick throws, accurate throws, and his players were catching it. And if that happens, it's just tough to stop. What we yeah. saw in the second half is also those throws. He missed on a couple of throws. We got them chlorine drops, and that proved to be really the difference in the game. Yeah, well, I think so many times uh, a lot of fans don't give credit to the other team. As right. I mentioned with Therapy Enemy, I thought it was a hell of a game plan. And I think Sam Howe played pretty well uh, overall. But uh, to your point, um, Tommy, uh, the numbers were uh, they blitzed 14 times, 14 out of 53, uh, which is 26%, typically more than they do. It was just over 30% on the first game. But Howell was killing it. He was 12 of 14 for 125 yards and two touchdowns against the Blitz. Now, and here's here's the important part. The Eagles blitzed on nine of Washington's first 18 pass plays. And he was killing it. And then there's the tweak. Jody and I were talking. I hate the word adjustment. I think a lot of people don't. They already that was the tweak. All right, it wasn't working. Sean Desai pulled back. He only blitzed five more times the rest of the game. There's the tweak. So right. he's making he he's making changes based on what's happening on the field. Jonathan Gannon used to do it as well, believe it or not, Eagles fans. And and by the way, Kenny Gainwell at halftime again proves halftime adjustments is my personal peeve because so many coaches <laughs> tell me. Such bullshit. Peyton Manning tells man, hey, we go in there, we take a leak, we have an orange slice, and we go back to the field. And that's the smartest, you know, quarterback in the past generation. Um, Kenny Gainwell's out there fighting with fans at halftime. Um, they're not making these grandiose adjustments at halftime, but they are tweaking things on the field, and they did, but Washington just played well. That's right. why I give credit to the perseverance back there. And you got to win this way one week. You got to win this way the next week. And the Eagles have done that better than anybody else, Tommy. And, and I will say, when you talked earlier about Jim Schwartz and games having personalities, the one angle where that does come into play. So the Eagles faced Washington twice. The week before the first game, Buffalo beat them 40 to 3, humiliated Washington. Yeah. Uh, Sam Howell was sacked nine times. It was an absolutely, it was a dreadful beatdown. Washington really came back and played against the Eagles like their lives depended on it. Sam Howell got the ball out quickly. The offensive lineman held blocks a half second longer. They executed well. They played with a real sense of urgency. They still lost, but you saw a way different. That was Washington's best game of the year at that point. Last week, Washington loses to a Giants team that you just, oh. you could tell Washington thought they were going to win that game. And not only did they lose, they got manhandled. The score was, I think, 14 to nine or whatever it was. Seven. It was close. Yeah. But but Washington got physically dominated. Again, they go back, they say, listen, we got embarrassed. We got to play with a sense of urgency. We got to get the ball out quickly. 
both times before the Eagles come to town, they're having this game where their nose is rubbed in it. And those guys say, all right, we got to have players only meetings. We got to do this. We got to do that. So they came out and they played with a real edge and a real sense of purpose. If they played the way they played against the Eagles on Sunday, if they played that way against the Giants, they'd have won that game. They didn't. They, they were, you know, Sam Howell's dropping back, holding the ball, trying to make plays. He wasn't doing that against the Eagles. He dropped back that, that foot hit plants. There's Logan Thomas. I got four yards. Let's go. I'll take the four yards. He, you know, he wasn't trying to make plays. He was just doing whatever it takes to move the chains to the next set of downs. And I, you know, it's tough to sustain that over a season, but it is funny that both times that they faced the Eagles, they were coming off embarrassing defeats that caused them to change the way they played. Yeah. You get overcorrect corrections in the NFL. When you have a bad game, you overcorrect. That's why you never want to play a team when they're coming off a bad loss. Yeah, because sometimes that repeats. We, we've seen plenty of times in, in NFL history oh, when sure. teams they, they hit rock bottom and they say, you know, we like it down here. <laughs> but <laughs> so, I mean, these, these guys have egos. They, they don't want to be embarrassed. They they get fired up and they say, let's go put out a, a let's go play better. Oh, good, good on the Commanders, and it still didn't equate to a win for them. <laughs> um, I I said to Sam Bird three sixty five yesterday. I disagreed with A.J. Brown, took exception with something A.J. Brown said a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think it was Johnny Clark. Somebody was talking to him about the fact that uh, he's having this unbelievable year. And he said, I'm kind of like 7-Eleven, always open, Uh, which is a cute little line. I like it a lot, but it's not true. He's not always open. Most of the catches he made eight for eight the other day. The, The commanders actually had decent coverage. He just physically dominates people. He does not allow them, even though they've got pretty good coverage, to keep him from catching the football. There's one thing to get wide open, and that's Tyree Kill, the other guy you'd probably look at as the best wide receiver in the game right now. He just beats you with pure speed and pretty good running ability and, and routes and everything else and good scheme put together by their coach until he ran into the Eagles defense. Um He's not always open. He's he's often covered. And it's good for a 25-yard catch, if not a touchdown. He is just a physical beast right now. To me, he is the best wide receiver in the National Football League. Agree or disagree? I'm still going to go with Tyreek Hill just because I feel like he's a guy that you just have to build your whole defense around. Uh, He's just, you know, I've been watching football a long time. I've never seen another player like Tyreek Hill. Deshaun Jackson was the most was the fastest eagle we've ever seen. I think we'd all agree on that. Yeah, absolutely explosive <laughs> guy. And yet, I, I remember when the Patriots played the Eagles in 2011. They had Julian Edelman cover Deshaun Jackson on some plays, and that's when I thought this is so humiliating that one of the <laughs> best receivers in Eagles history is being covered by a wide receiver. Uh, Belichick really just knew how to mess with your mind and, and really disrupt you. And uh, Tyree Kill is just a guy you have to build your whole game plan around. AJ to a certain extent, but Tyreek's just that guy that even after he catches the ball, that's only half the battle. Once the ball's in his hands, you can think you've got him boxed in and you're getting ready to stop him. And he hits that gear that literally only two or three other people in the history of, the, of pro football have had. And there's just nothing you can do except watch him run away from you. It's it's like uh, the road runner, right? Yeah, you know he just he beat. They should. The they should goes. put uh, beep beep. Yeah, they should put the sound. Yeah, I always talk about when you hear. That's when I know Tommy. When I hear other players 
uh, talk about players with awe. That's right. how people talk about Tyreek. Because um, the NFL's full of fast guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a fast guys league, and they're like, what the hell? This guy's fast. Everybody's fast. Yeah. Wes Watkins is fast. Yeah. Tyreek Hill is fast with a capital F. Yeah. And not only that, he's skilled. He, the, 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 again, well, that's when, the thing. I've seen fast receivers, and there are guys who can probably run with Tyreek, but they can't run routes to Joe. I've never seen a speed guy be as 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 savvy as he is. He's a tremendous route runner. He tracks the football well. Sometimes you got speed guys who don't catch the football. Um, Hello, he's we got have great one hands. <laughs> yeah, name's Quez Watkins. You know, Deshaun Jackson, obviously. Not in the opposition. Oh my God. Sorry, uh, I... uh, yeah, Jody's obsessed with Quez, but Deshaun. <laughs> Deshaun ha- could track the football great as well, um, but I don't. I don't think anybody. Randy could track. Randy Moss. Randy's another of those guys because I covered Randy for years. Right. Other players talk about him with awe. Um, and there's certain guys. Aaron Donald on defense. Lawrence Taylor back in the day. Um, yeah, there's certain guys. He's in that category. No, no disrespect to AJ. And AJ would tell you that. By the way, AJ would be the first guy. And to Jody's point, AJ has a sign at his locker that says "always open." Um, he he knows he's not always open. His point is, even if I'm not open, I'm open exactly. because he's gonna he's gonna get the 50-50 ball. That's his whole point. Even when he's not open, he's open, and he's having a phenomenal run. But yeah, if you push me, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Tyreek just because he's. He's generational, but AJ's having a run. Nobody else has ever done it before. That's all you got to right. say. Right? Nobody yeah. else has ever done it before. Here's the way. Let's let's be political. Uh, AJ's the best receiver in the NFC. Tyreek's the best in the AFC. How about that? Yeah. They're both yeah. amazing players. And I got to say, I, I love AJ Brown because I love physical receivers. I want big guys who catch the ball, work the middle. I, I loved Irving Fryer going back to the old days. Uh, I love guys that are physical and tough. Anquan Bolden, Debo Samuel. And so to, for the Eagles to have A.J. Brown, who's the biggest, toughest guy there is and can catch the ball and shed tacklers and runs runs over guys, I love it. He's an awesome player. And you're exactly right. That's the mentality he's got. Even if I'm not open, I'm still open. And that that's a, it's a great uh, outlet for, for Jalen Hurts to have because there may be a play where the, the corner reads the route right and Jalen says, well, I'm under pressure. I need to put the ball over somewhere, and let's see if my guy can make a play. That catch on Sunday, I'm sitting here watching it, and I'm like, eh, these are no way he caught that ball. There's no way. And then yeah. they showed a replay, and you're like, holy crap. By he the way, that he, did that, he <laughs> did that in practice during the week. Right. He That's made the nuts. exact same play. And he was talking about it, and I'm like, ah, they're probably just, you know, embellishing him because that was a hell of a catch, as you mentioned. But then, you know, AJ talked first after the game. Then Nick came in. They they had not talked. And Nick said the same thing. He made the exact same play in, in, in practice. Um, and, and a bunch of players said the exact same thing. Uh, yeah, he's phenomenal. I, I mean, when they acquired him, I said he was the final piece of the puzzle on offense because everything fit into place when he got here. Um, but I didn't know he was this good. I remember Jody, either, they wouldn't have traded yeah, him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he is, he is just, he's dominant. He's dominant. Yeah. 
Tommy, I uh, I need you to be very honest with me here. I trust you, buddy, and I go back and look up your uh, posts and see if you're uh, giving me the business, uh, but I do trust you. <laughs> Were you one of those who said Kenny Gainwell had a great playoff run for the Eagles last year? Or I am hoping you are not one of one, but I need you to admit to it if you did. Were you one of those who bought in and oversold Kenny Gainwell at the end of last season? I think it talks about how, how well he played in the playoffs uh, because he did. But I, I think I've added context to that, that, you know, part of that was that he lit up a bad Giants team. And yeah. so the, the stats look great overall, but if you really kind of go inside them, it's like, you know, it's not as impressive because the Giants just at that, at a certain point in that game, the Giants were just trying to get out of there. They could just tell that game was over. So uh, I, I'm not one that said that's that, a coin that flip. <laughs> I was trying to give him at least to the middle of the first quarter. Uh, uh, but, but if you, uh, I'm not one of those people who looked at the, the playoffs and said, oh, th this has to be the guy you build the offense around. You know, I, I, I didn't fall into that because everyone, when I went, I, I, I go to pro football reference on a freaking daily basis. That's website is just gold to me. And I would go and I would look at Gainwell and you'd see uh, the numbers in a Giants game are great. The numbers in the San Francisco game are okay. And then in the Super Bowl, he was quiet, if I remember right. Exactly. And so you sit there and say, well, yeah, the, the Giants game was nice. But again, the Giants were, uh, they had no linebackers uh, that were worth a damn. And they just, at, at a certain point in that game, they were just ready to go home. So uh, I didn't want to over overrate that performance. I'm just hoping that Nick Sirianni is watching at this stage because I'm getting tired of saying it. I just had to have somebody else say it. Yeah, he had a good playoff game, not a good playoff run, one against the Giants. He was very good against the Giants. Not that great against San Francisco in the Super Bowl. If Miles Sanders doesn't bounce the first play outside and hurt himself and take a loss, then you wouldn't have had to give it to Kenny Gainwell. Oh, by the way, he wasn't all that good running the ball in the Super Bowl either. He's certainly the best, second best running back on the field. If Isaiah Pacheco was a guy who had a legitimate big game in the Super Bowl running the football. What is it about the and and the coach is continuing to come to Kenny Gainwell's uh, defense? They gotta keep trusting him. If if every time somebody made a mistake, we moved off a player, we'd have no players left to play with. What is it about Kenny Gainwell that he just wants to go to the wall to defend this guy? Well, he was right to defend him uh, because it is true. You you know you have to allow guys to make mistakes. Uh, now, listen, have they played him too much in the red zone this year? Absolutely. There, there's no question. <laughs> They like Kenny because he's a good pass blocker, a legitimately good pass blocker. He's a good receiver. He does the little things well. He generally holds on to the football. That's what made Sunday so discouraging. And they like him in the red zone because he's a north-south runner. You hand him the ball, he doesn't read, he attacks. And one of the, the downsides to DeAndre Swift, DeAndre likes to read and see where the hole is and then hit it. In the goal line area, because you've got such a condensed space, the safeties are there, there aren't the natural gaps. You basically have to get the football in and go running. You can't really do a lot of reading. Well, Swift is not as, is gonna not going to be as effective. Gainwell last year was an effective goal line runner. This year, uh, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the blocking, if it's Gainwell, if it's just one of those years, but it's just not happening for him. He's the the the, the runs are not there. And so it feels like they need to switch that up, try Boston Scott, or God forbid, play Rashad Penny. Let's see what he can do. Uh, but Gainwell in the red zone, that is something that coaches need to stop because it, it just, it's, it's, he had a touchdown, uh, you know, a week ago on a nice play, but 
Yeah, that was a, that that the touchdown was a nice run. It was uh, absolutely. Yeah, and that's why you always get. You're listen, right. I, by the way, I'm glad you brought that up, Tommy, because I've been having this argument since the days of Barry Sanders and Emmett Smith, where I would say Emmett Smith is a better running back than Barry Sanders, but Barry Sanders is the best runner I've ever seen. Now people talk about Gale Sayers. But Wayne Wayne Fonts uh, used to get a lot of crap back in those days because Barry would make a you know great play, get the Lions in the red zone, and they take him out, and he'd get killed for it. Well, he took him out because of just what Tommy said. If you start tap dancing, and he was the king of tap dancing, and then sometimes he turned that tap dance into a, an eighty-yard run when you're back at your own twenty. But when you're inside in that condensed area. The last thing you want to do is tap dance around so they would take him out and they would have red zone runners. Whereas Emmett was, you know, the king of the touchdown. Bang. You know, north, south. Um, and obviously those cowboy teams were dominant. But boy, you're going to – I still haven't convinced anyone of that argument, Tommy. So I'm glad you said that. There is a different sort of mentality you have to have in the red zone. You got to hit the hole. No dancing whatsoever. And the Eagles trust Kenny Gainwell. And I've I've been telling people since training camp, and they yell at me, and it's not my fault. I didn't make them trust him. But I do think it's kind of misconstrued what Nick says because he compared him to Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown, I think. Don't bring those two names up. Just explain that he does things that other backs on the roster don't do. That's what Nick should do. Because the minute you bring up a name, and I did it yesterday, I brought up Peyton Manning getting the football out of his hands, and Jody said, you're comparing Peyton Manning to Sam Howell. No, I wasn't. I said, you can't sack Peyton Manning. You use them in the same sentence. You're comparing That's what I said. You, you use somebody in the same sentence, and people say, all right, that's it. No. Peyton Manning got the football. You knew going into a game against Peyton Manning, you weren't going to sack the quarterback. And if you sacked him three times, you had a hell of a day from a pass rush because the ball was coming out on time. Sometimes that happens, you know, but when you bring up good player, great players like Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown and then say Kenny Gainwell, yeah. You're gonna you're gonna take some heat, yeah. and that's what that's what Nick did. That was the mistake. But he's yeah, their he best pass protector. He's their best pass protector. He's their best north south runner. That's why he plays in the red zone. Right. Coaches have a weird code where they there are certain things they like in players. They like players that are durable and tough. They like players that are smart. They like players that practice well. Uh, you remember years ago, AJ Feely almost got cut because he didn't practice well. Thankfully, yeah. the Eagles kept him. And he ended up being a pretty good quarterback, but he just, I don't know if practice was boring for him or what, but he just did not practice well. Coaches didn't, weren't real keen on him. Um, coaches have weird things they like, and that shows who, who plays and who doesn't. Rashad Penny is a definitely a more talented runner than Kenny Gainwell, but Kenny Gainwell is a guy they trust. Penny's the guy they don't trust. So yeah. you see who gets the football. But here, well, now I got to ask this. All right, they don't trust Rashad Penny. They trusted Julio Jones the day showed up. 
Boom, right in there, throw him a a touchdown pass, week one. How come Julio Jones garners respect, and he's been with the team about 20 minutes? Rashad Penny's been there all year, and they won't even activate him. Why? You know, you'd have to sit there and go back and and watch what happened in the OTAs and in uh, training camp. (laughs) Mo was there, we'll ask him. Did Rashad Penny take the trust and throw it out the window? Did the Eagles give him the chance to earn the trust in preseason and all those arduous practices they had back in August, Johnny Mack? Well, I, I would go to my, you know, testament. Like, you know, Julio Jones is going to the Hall of Fame. I mean, there's no – your your questions about Julio Jones are about does he have anything left physically? Um, that's That's your question, basically, about Julio Jones. He's already – demonstrated performance as coaches say i mean he's one of the all-time greats uh, john i think you're missing the obvious point here jody's crazy because he's comparing julio jones and, and, and Rashad <laughs> well, Penny. Yeah. come on jody those aren't the same uh, guy yeah rashad uh, had some nice <laughs> games nice stretch of games when he would get hurt but yeah i mean one guys i just talked you know, I just talked about Tyreek Hill. What players you see what players say about Julio Jones. Lane Johnson, you heard players after the game. They just met the guy. They're in awe of the guy because of right. what he's done. Um, he he's one of those guys. Um, yeah, Rashad Penny's not one of those guys. Uh, so I would say, but yeah, through through the summer and through the spring, he didn't he didn't play well. Um, in his opportunities in training camp and and joint practices and things like that. Um, And yeah, he never usurped the players he was supposed to usurp, which would be Boston Scott, Kenny Gainwell. And to a certain degree, DeAndre Swift. I mean, they came into the season. Kenny Gainwell was the number one back. Uh, The Eagles would like people to forget that, but he was the number one back and he got hurt in, in Foxborough, got hurt at New England. And then, Swift had to play against Minnesota and he had the great game and they were forced to go in that direction. If he doesn't get hurt, he's not playing against Minnesota. Would have been Kenny Gainwell. I'm not sure I'm fully by that. Cause if you go back to the preseason, you watch the way the Swift made a few plays that made it clear. He was the most talented back on the roster. Oh, I, I don't deny that. I think they knew he was the most gifted Although you could argue Penny is, depending on what you want, but no, all mean, around most gifted because he can catch the football and do things like that. His, his ability to cut, to burst, right. to change directions. He's he's a special runner. Rashad Penny's really a talented player, but so well, he's different type the of most, runner. The most yeah. Yeah. John's got a point. He didn't play game two. He comes back, gets 14 carries game three. They hadn't even completely moved off game. Well, even after the Minnesota game yeah. by Swift, well, they gave they, a chance the week three to come back and go, all right, can you get the job done? And he only had 43 yards on 14 carries. They, so, may, they may have liked something in that in the, the matchups. They wanted to, uh, him as a receiver. Who knows? You, you, you can't just watch one game and say, well, that's what they were going to do for the season, right? Yeah, but that, well, you can lose the job. But, well, but what I'm saying is, yeah, if that would have continued, they would have ultimately moved in a different direction, but it wouldn't have been week two. I mean, they came into the season. Kenny Gamewell was the lead back and they would have gave him more than one game because they won the game. He didn't play poorly. He was just okay. Against um, Patriots. Um, it's well, not like he played 
terribly. The, the point I'm making, I guess, that. is kind of uh, the whole time we thought this was going to be running back by committee, which tells you it's going to be situational. So in this game, we like this guy. In the next game, we like that guy. It's almost like baseball yeah. in that sense. So yeah. Who hits the left-handers well? Who hits a, a breaking ball pitcher well? You know, who's who's hot, who's cold? And we're going to go with that kind of a thing. And, and listen – if Swift starts struggling, then they're gonna they're gonna start giving more carries to Gainwell. It, you know, Gainwell doesn't do anything. They're gonna give some touches to Boston Scott. They don't have one workhorse guy. They don't have a Barry Sanders or Emmett Smith. So you're gonna take this the group that you have in front. What's the best way to get the most production out of? Well, so, I I would say I understand why you say that, Tommy, because Nick says it all the time. But Nick is blowing smoke up here you know what at that point he wants a lead back he always has a lead back he always has had a lead back now he he likes a committee approach in the fact that he's not going to give the, the same guy the football 25 times week after week after week although you know if he had somebody's capable of doing that i don't think they look at any of these backs and say you know that's one of the things swift was getting a lot of touches and people are saying Got to give him more touches. Got to give him more touches. There's a guy who's missed four games every year. They're very cognizant of sort of keeping him on a pitch count as well. He, he never um, had 20 carries in a game before this year. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah no, and listen, there's no question Nick would love a stud running back. You know, uh, uh, last year, Miles Sanders had 259 carries. If I exactly. Remember right. Yeah. He would yeah. love to have a guy to feed the ball to. That guy doesn't exist on the Eagles. Swift yeah. is the most talented runner, but he's not a workhorse. You don't want to have him get hurt and break down. And then uh, Gainwell's a role player. Penny's a, a role player because he just can't stay healthy. And then Boston Scott's a role player. So if they had an awesome player, they'd be feeding the ball to that guy. They don't have that person, you know. So they have to go running back back in with this group. But, yeah, they'd absolutely love a stud running back to feed the ball to. And we've gone full circle because now I'm going to come back to one game against the Giants. That's the only thing that changed. Up until then, Miles Sanders was a workhorse back. And Kenny Gainwell was a get in there, catch a pass every uh, other possession, Kenny, for one snap. But somehow, all of a sudden, he became the Eagles' number one running back. Why? Because of that game against the Giants where Tommy... No, it wasn't even a game against the Giants. It was because Miles was hurt. That's why. Miles was hurt. Miles no, was going playing into for, this season. He was handed oh, the number one running season. back position. I because well, I I, I misinterpreted because I got that like like a lot of people said Kenny passed Miles. No, he didn't. Miles yeah. got hurt. Right. Miles got hurt twice. He hurt his knee, then he hurt his hand in the Super Bowl. No, they wanted Miles out there. He was just banged up and hurt, and Kenny did a nice job filling in at times. That's that's what the Eagles kind of thought. Coming into this year, it's about, yeah, they don't have a history with DeAndre Swift. They didn't have a history with Rashad Penny. And Kenny Gainwell and Boston Scott were the two guys they trusted. But there's limited upside there. I mean, I think the running back room, and I've been saying this, and DeAndre's play, I think it's overrated by by Eagles fans, Tommy. I think it's overrated. I don't think it's that good. Um I think DeAndre's the best. It's a two-man two room. Boston Scott's doing out your job running back kicks. He never gets the ball from scrimmage. And Rashad Penny can't get in the game to save his life. DAP My, coaches decision every single week. So it's two guys. They call it a room. It's two guys. It's Swift and Gainwell. Well, I'm talking about the whole, if guys get banged up. And Boston has a history coming in. 
get ready, New York Giants. Um, you know, <laughs> you, still got, uh, you still got two months before you get there. They don't and, play and, the Giants and, 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 for January. But they trust Boston. Um, I don't know what if they trust Rashad at all, but if DeAndre gets hurt at some point and he's, you know, he's, as I said, he's missed four games each year, then you're going to see Rashad Penny. So I am including the whole room. But if I said talent-wise, where would you put this room? Like the defensive front I was talking about. It's the best defensive front in football. Offensive line, when they're healthy, it's in the conversation. If it's not one, it's two or three. Um, running back room for the Eagles, it's not top 16. I would say it's bottom half of the league. Where would you put it, Tommy? That's fair. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they, 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 there's no question that, that they don't have they, they got too many role players and role players are great but you need role players to fit around the, the big guy the key guy and uh, it really feels like you, you, you wish Kenny Gainwell was a good kick returner because it feels like he and Boston Scott if you could combine them into one player and then elevate Penny or go get another running back who has starting capability then, but you you don't want Kenny Gainwell as your flat-out starter. You don't want Boston Scott as your flat-out starter. Those are both role-player backups. And to have both of them active with DeAndre Swift is just not ideal. Uh, so that's where you, you wish that you could have either Gainwell or Scott and then a third player, whether that's Rashad Penny or someone else. That would be a group that I would like better. Tommy, a couple quickies on the Cowboys before we let you run. Um I'm sure you saw what Michael Parsons said yesterday on his podcast or whatever. He implored Cowboy Nation to take over Lincoln Financial Field. <laughs> now, I ask John this every week when the Eagles have a road game. Give me the percentage. How many Eagle fans were in the house? It sounded like 50-50. And they are one of the most uh, outstanding traveling fan bases. The Cowboys have fans everywhere. Good, bad, or indifferent. They have fans everywhere. And some of them are well healed. Will you even be able to pick up the cowboy presence from the fan base in Sunday's game at Lincoln Financial? No, I. You know, listen. I, I don't know what it'll be. Five percent, three percent. Yeah, it's there'll be, be little pockets of. Uh, of yeah, there, the there'll be those fans yeah. there because there are cowboy fans. If you go to Antarctica and and cut into an iceberg, there's a Dallas Cowboy fan yeah. out there, yeah. right? And, and someone else going like this with a Cowboys <laughs> suck beat there. He, they're the most loved team and they're the most hated team. They win both contests in the National Football League. The guy down there is clinging to a videotape of their last win over the uh, over the Steelers in the Super Bowl. So, uh, yeah, there, there's going to be some fans there, no doubt. But it, it, taking over Lincoln, that ain't going to happen. Thing, listen, if this was an awful Eagles team, if this if this Eagles team was one and six, yeah, we we could see. All right, that might be a different scenario, but. Seven and one Eagles? No, heck no. That's no, not going to happen. No. Yeah, not going to happen. But there will be more cow. I will say this: there will be more Cowboy fans than most visiting teams. I will say that. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah, they they are a big uh, following nationally, and that includes here in Philadelphia. All right, last thing: Dak Prescott has beaten the Eagles eight out of ten times. He started and played more than half of the game. That's eight and two. That's pretty damn impressive. Dak hasn't been able to get over the playoff hump, and Eagle fans rightfully like to acknowledge that. But he has gotten the better of the Eagles a lot. 
in his years in the National Football League, including against Coach Sirianni since he took over. What do they have to do to stop Dak? They've got to stop Dallas's run, and they've got to to force Dak to beat him and see if he can do that. And then on offense, the Eagles have to run the ball well. You know, Dallas has three losses this year. Two of the losses were San Francisco and Arizona, and they ran for 392 yards in those games combined. So if you can run the ball on Dallas, you can score on them. And this Kenny Gainwell to the rescue. Yeah. Kenny Gainwell is going to have 35 carries for 218 yards and seven touchdowns. Now, so they, they need to, to, to run the ball well, um, whether it's Gainwell or Swift or maybe Boston Scott has his crazy game of the year. Maybe Jalen Hurts runs even with that bad knee, whatever it is. They need to be able to run the football. And we know they'll make some plays in the past game. And I like what Michael Irvin said. This game's about 11s. Micah Parsons versus A.J. Brown. There you if go. Micah gets home, uh, Cowboys are going to have a good night. If he doesn't, A.J.'s going to kill the Cowboys. I like that uh, thought process. That's a great way to put it. That's And yeah. having Lane Johnson back is a game changer because he can deal with Micah Parsons. If you didn't have Lane Johnson back, Ooh, yeah, that would be, be really nervous. And Dallas yeah. is only three and two on the road to share, or two and two on the road to share. So, um, they're not, they've not been a great road team. So, this is going to be a tough game for them. But yeah, it's, it's not going to be easy for either team. The, the Eagles have to play well to win this game. And uh, both teams are going to be highly motivated. Hopefully, at the very least, it'll be a highly entertaining game. And it's not my NFL anymore. When you got 11 on 11, and it's a wide receiver, it's a wide receiver and a pass and rushing outside yeah. linebacker. What the hell? Yeah. Quarterbacks are supposed to be 11, not wide receivers and pass rushing outside linebackers. <laughs> the game has changed. But uh, we try and keep it moving forward. Tommy Lolo, you always do that when you jump in with us. Check out his website, uh, Eagles fans, Eagles Blitz, I-G-G-L-E-S, Blitz.com for Tommy's posts leading up to and after every single game. Tommy, thanks for jumping in today. Great to talk to you guys. Thanks, Talk-to- Tommy. Tommy Lawley here with some birds. By the way, quick story on that 11 thing. I was watching, I guess, I guess it was Penn State, Ohio State. And I rarely watch pregame shows, but I happen to catch um, the uh, a pregame. They were doing a story on number 11 at, at Penn State. And they're talking about how revered it is and the, the long and storied tradition. And I'm what? thinking to myself, I don't remember Ham or Lambert wearing 11 or is that? It started with LaBar Arrington. I'm like, that's not long and long story. Long and story. They really LaBarro went there. Bowman, Micah Parsons. I'm, I'm like, yeah, they were talking about the tradition. And I'm thinking to myself, did Lambert wear? I don't think Lambert. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of all the great linebackers. No. Even Paul Pozlesny. I'm like, he, I think he was 44. I asked Kerr. He's a Penn State guy. Right. Um, I'm like, what are they talking about? Long and storied. Yeah, you got to so, go back farther than LaBar Arrington. It was a yeah. hell of a player, but come on. A little bit of an overstatement, long yeah. and storied. No, yeah. and there's a reason why they call Penn State you. Like you'd say, all the way back to Lambert, uh, linebacker you. Yeah. And they Not all of them were 11. Not long and storied. That's for damn sure. All right, Mac and Mac, I take quick time out. Uh, we got our boy Dave Zingaro jumping in, and now about 15 minutes J-Mac and I will come back in just a sec here on Birds 365. 
If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. My name is Dr. Bruce Grossinger. And I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to move to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Win and save this baseball season from Colony Pools and Power Washing, a local company serving Delaware, Delco, and Chester County since 1970. Are you tired of looking at your greenhouse? Is your roof, siding, deck stained green from algae and mold? Let the experts pressure wash your home and take the pressure off of you. Win with Colony Pools and Power Washing. Call them now at 302-762-2250. That's 302-762-2250. Hey, Mac and Mac for 365 get together here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Got a bunch of people streaming today. Thank you very much for doing so. Now, we all know you love John McMullen. So just uh-huh. go ahead and hit, hit the like button now. You, 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 you can do that. It's Halloween. How about a treat instead of a trick for your boys, Mac and Mac, today? Hit the like button. Help us out with our, uh, what is it called again? Algorithm. Uh, algorithm. Algorithm. I don't understand all this YouTube stuff. I just understand football. Uh, here's one thing I understand about football, Johnny Mac. A team that at least in the last week or so, I think is uh, kind of flown under the radar. And the, one of the reasons I'm bringing this up is because I got a uh, wise guy. There's another word that I would like to use. Three letters. First one's A. Uh, the second and third might be S. Uh, wise guy who hit me with a tweet uh, during my show on CBS the other day when the Seattle Seahawks were losing and ah, you said the Seahawks are a good team. And of course the Seahawks rally and won. And I tweeted back. The guy said, yeah, I did check the score. Um, The Seahawks are five and two. The team in first place in the NFC West right now, is the Seattle yeah. Seahawks. It's not the San Francisco 49ers. 
So when the season started, I said, Philadelphia, San Francisco, drop off. That I thought the separation. Most people had Philly, San Francisco, Dallas, then the drop off. I didn't even have Dallas as number three. And I had the big drop off after two and three. And the 49ers are having issues with three losses at this stage. I'm not sure what's up with them right now. But Seattle's ahead of them. And Seattle doesn't put up style points and don't win by 40 points. And they don't have a true candidate for MVP conversation or offensive player of the year, whatever else. They added a nice piece yesterday. They got Leonard Williams from the Giants. You get to see Leonard Williams play all the time these last couple of years. I got to know him when he was a Jet before he was a Giant. Leonard Williams is one of the better defensive tackles in the National Football League. They got him for a second and a future fifth. That's a nice addition for the Seattle Seahawks. They're still on the Eagles' schedule yet to come. The Eagles have to go out to Seattle to take on the Seahawks. Seahawks are legit in the mix. People are talking up the Lions because they got an easy schedule. Had a big win last night. Talking about the Cowboys because they only have two losses. The Seattle Seahawks only have two losses, too. They've actually got six wins as compared to the Cowboys who already got their buy-in. Excuse me. They they got five losses as well. Um, The Seahawks are flying under the radar, J-Mac. Yeah, they are. A lot of times, even during the glory days of Russell Wilson, when they were going, should have won back-to-back Super Bowls. You know, they're so far out there. Nobody pays attention to them. But, uh, um, yeah, they're a good team. You know, this this is one of my problems with the modern sports world, not just the NFL. Like, I, I saw a lot of criticism for them giving up so, a, a second-round pick for Leonard because he makes, you know, now the Giants paid most Giants of the money. Giants paid all the salary. Yeah. So, uh, essentially, they're paying for – you know, a second round pick, the Giants. Um, and, you know, the per se, well, the Seattle's not going to win anything. They're they're getting a player who's going to be there for 10 games, whatever, uh, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what, what do you mean? As you just explained, now, are they the favorites? No. Uh, but they're in the mix. I don't get this. Oh, what was me? No, they can't beat the Eagles. They can't beat the Cowboys. They can't beat the 49ers. They're already ahead of the 49ers. You don't know who's going to get hurt. You know, Minnesota wasn't counting on uh, uh, Kirk Cousins tearing his Achilles. Guys played a hundred and a million straight games, um, except for the one Kobe game. Atlanta wasn't counting on Jared, uh, Grady Jarrett tearing his ACL. You don't know what's going to happen. The reason you said, I don't know what's happened to San Francisco. I know what's happened. They lost Debo Samuel and Trent Williams. And and Christian McCaffrey played, but was a little bit banged up. If those guys are healthy, they're so good. Here's a problem with that, John. Their defense has folded up tent and gone home the last two weeks. They don't have any injuries on defense. What happened to the vaunted best defense in football, 49ers? That's yeah. what I meant by I don't know what the hell's happening out well, there. Steve, you got yeah. explanations for me as to why the 49ers yeah, defense yeah, can, all, all. can be beaten like a drum these last two weeks? I I, I, I didn't see last week's game. Um, they didn't get beat like a drum. I did see uh, the Minnesota game. It was on Monday night. They They, they, they were fine. I mean, they lost the game, but they were they lost the game because Debo wasn't there and Trent wasn't there. The defense and Kirk threw for three hundred against them. They're supposed yeah, to be the but best. I mean, he throws for three hundred against everybody. I, I, you know, I, I, 
they, it's an offensive league. And when you have a quarter, I say it all the time, when you have a quarterback who can throw the football, uh, either you get to him or you're going to get got. I mean, they had the one corner, I bet Ward, sticky, like he intercepted one, him and Addison went back. That was the game where he stole one from Addison and Addison stole one from him. He he had good coverage. I don't, I don't, I just think sometimes in the modern NFL, even the good defenses have bad games because, um, I, my, my overriding point is I think San Francisco is going to be fine if they get those guys back. Um, but, but even further where I started with the Seahawks, yes, they should try to win you losers uh, because you think, um, and I'm not talking about everybody, but because you have this whole group of people that think they know, and they can't beat the Eagles or they can't beat the Cowboys or they can't beat the 49ers. No, you don't know. You don't know. And they're in a position to take advantage and, and have a nice run. If they can get the run going, why not try to add a difference maker? I applaud them. So I applaud I. them for doing that. Leonard Williams is a potential difference maker. There's not going to be all that many. Contavious Street is not going to be a difference maker for the Falcons. He'll be a piece. He'll be a solid guy. Not a difference maker. Leonard Williams could be a difference maker. There aren't that many difference makers that are dealt at this time of the year. We like to talk about it. We like to throw Patrick Sertain's name around there. I'll make a prediction that six hours from now, Patrick Sertain is still a Denver Bronco. But do you uh, get that? Because I get that all the time. Oh, they shouldn't do that. They're not in a position. Who, 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 who's deciding they're not in a position? They're winning so who, games. He, it would be my question to the person who makes that point to me. Who is in the position? How many teams? Since you've got the exact right read on teams that are or aren't worthy of making a play this year. How many teams you got in? Two? Eagles? It's Chiefs? Always, that's it's, it? It's always, that, that's it's all always you're counting two, in at this stage? It's always two or three, and everybody else should be losing on purpose. Yeah, please, tank. Uh, do yeah. the tankapalooza thing. You should be a seller. No, that's not the way that the, the, the leagues are run and should be run these days. And I'm just noting that Seattle, by record, by accomplishment, and by their actions yesterday, stamped themselves as a team that is in. And I think they're rightfully uh, doing it because their record says they should be. They've uh, only got two losses so far this year. And we've already whittled down that many teams. There aren't that many left that only have two losses. All right. Uh, one other question I wanted to hit you before. We go to break because this, again, uh, I make too much of this. It just makes me nuts. But I do have to position this correctly because when I talk about it on the show where I got phones and calls and everything else, and we get some streaming guys. Last year, I brought it to everyone's attention, and I wasn't the only one. The ESPN Power Index. Um Everybody's got their power ratings. They'll all come out today. ESPN, because all you got to do is punch numbers into a computer, can do it as soon as the Monday night football game is over. And they did sometime last night. And last year, the Cowboys continued to be listed ahead of the Eagles in weeks when the Eagles were undefeated and the only one lost team and blah, 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 blah. And people made a big deal about it. It's Cowboy centric. They put in Dallas Cowboy numbers. It's all about the Dallas Cowboys. It really isn't. It just makes no sense whatsoever. It's just 
their computer must have a virus or something because it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Their rankings don't move. They've been the same for like four weeks now. Buffalo Bills and their three losses are still number one. The Chiefs, despite an embarrassment losing to the Broncos this past week, a team they hadn't lost to in years, still number two. The Dolphins, who the Eagles shut down two weeks ago, still number three. The 49ers, who have lost three straight games. Fear not, you're still number four. The Ravens, oh, at least you got a team that's playing well, uh, number five. The Dallas Cowboys, number six. And the Philadelphia Eagles, number seven. Now, these have been the ratings for like the last several weeks. Yeah. And I, it hasn't changed at all. What numbers are they looking at, Johnny Mac? What are they pumping into a computer that gives them the same bad rankings week in and week out? Well, all these things, and this is why I don't get even remotely upset about these things. All these things are flawed. Uh, they do the best they can. They're not doing it like a person. Like you'll say, like if you look at PFF today, Miami's still number one. Well, the Eagles beat Miami. Why aren't the Eagles number one? That's sort of how a fan thinks about it. Um, they're they're just grading individual games and 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 using the best grades to determine the best team. Well, it's an unbalanced league. There's 32 teams. They all don't play each other. They're, so you don't even get from a standpoint. Forget about week to week and who's playing and who's injured and who's not injured. They don't even play everybody. So it's all flawed. Um, and from the standpoint of, of, of football power indexes or film or guess what? If you're playing the New York Giants this year who are the 32nd team, you're probably going to look pretty good. And that's going to skew your 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 grades for one week. If If you're – San Francisco, and and we were just talking about, and Joe Burrow gets finally gets hot the week after Kirk Cousins is hot. You're going to look pretty bad for a couple weeks defensively. Um, that's the way it works. I mean, it, it, it's an unbalanced league, and that's why um, everybody's power rankings, including my own, should rest in the circular pile the minute someone says them. They're meaningless. Right. Style points don't matter. We say it all the time. The Eagles for, what are we, 18 plus 8, 26 consecutive regular season weeks have been either the NFL's best team record-wise or tied for the best team. That's all that matters. Agreed, but uh, with every passing week, you've got more data to input. You should be getting closer to reality. And for some reason, ESPN computer seems to be. I get uh, it. Two uh, games in, four games in, six games in, unbalanced schedule. You can have variations. You can see where it doesn't compute complete. We're up to now eight games played. Yeah, it's got that. I'm looking at PFF since I just brought it up. They have two three loss teams ahead of the Eagles. Two, uh, Miami's number one still, San Francisco's still number two with their three losses. Baltimore's number three, Dallas is number four, Buffalo five, Eagles six. Yeah, so they got the Eagles down too. Uh, the ESPN Power Index has them seventh, seven and one. That's how they. 
The only thing that matters is the standings. Move off the ESPN index page, Joe. Move to the standings page. Best record in the National Football League, Philadelphia Eagles. All right, McDonald and McMullen coming back. We got Dave Zingaro. I see him in our green room. He's ready to join us next. Looking spry, looking chipper, kind of like the Eagles offense this past week. Maybe not like their defense. He looks better than Eagles defense did. Dave Zingaro joins us next here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to most to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, Blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Magamac joined by Dave Zingaro from NBC Sports Philly. Always good to get Dave aboard. Pull your hat down a little bit. We gotta see the hat. The hat's looking pretty good. Oh, it's a uh, Kona Surf Shop in Wildwood. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Looks brand new. Your it's not up. brand new. It's uh, it's been beat up a little bit. Right. <laughs> and wait a minute. There's an actual Kona Surf Shop in Wildwood. Uh, yeah. Been there since the 70s, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. Wildwood is great for certain reasons. 
Kona like is not one of them. But if they think they're getting away with it, they can go ahead. Maybe somebody from Kona, uh, Hawaii moved there. You never know, Jody. You never know. Uh, yeah, I know that, that didn't happen. No, it just <laughs> If you live in Kona, Hawaii, you're not moving to Wildwood, New Jersey. I'm sorry. I just don't believe that that's actually happened. All right. Here's where I want to go with you first, Dave Zingaro. Last night, I was on the air at three o'clock in the morning. So at two o'clock, I got a Woj bomb. The Philadelphia 76ers had gotten rid of James Harden. Two o'clock in the morning is when the tweet hit. From that's when you, that's when you don't want the, the news. That's when you don't like the uh, the trade that you got, by the way. But but I digress. Go on. What do you mean? You want to drop it at two in the morning when you don't want people to say, oh, oh that, Carl that, Morey. That, maybe that's why the Clippers called Morey at 2 a.m. Yeah. at 155 and go, all right, that deal we discussed, let's put it through. You're right. Uh, if I'm the Sixers, I'm I'm trying to get as much attention as possible because I can't believe Morey got what he want, what he did. But but that's besides the point. Will Dave Zingaro be reporting a uh, Zingaro zap instead of a Woj bomb uh, before four o'clock this afternoon? As how he got an ace up his sleeve. I, I mean, with Howie, he's always very active. Um, so I think it's possible. I, I do appreciate the 4 p.m. deadline, so I don't have to be yeah, up at 2 a.m. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, I was thinking we'll about that. 2 a.m. for you. That's right. The Eagles make a trade at 2 a.m. I'm not seeing it until I wake up. I'm just not seeing it. So yeah. uh, credit to all the, the Sixers writers who were somehow awake at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. Um, yeah, as far as the Eagles go, I mean, they already had their blockbuster with uh, Contavious Street. So... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I think there's a chance they're they're active, but um, I, I don't even know if it's like by position. I, I think position certainly plays a role, but it, I think it's like player. Like if there's a player that they really like and they think it'll help the team, they'll do it. Um, but I think Howie's also aware that like you don't want to just keep trading away future picks. I thought what he gave up for Bayard was perfectly fine. I, I think you do that 10 out of 10 times, but – uh, like to, to think about them giving up a, a high draft pick for a player, especially if it's like a rental, uh, probably not. Yeah. Uh, there's been a lot of, you know, because the Eagles like the player coming in, Patrick Sertan talk. Now Jalen Johnson um, has requested a trade in Chicago. Um, the, the Eagles corners are aging outside corners, obviously, but they're still good. Uh, they're still rocks out. Are you surprised how much, chatter there's been about cornerbacks and how he likes this cornerback how he likes this cornerback he did love Sertan but everybody yeah. did yeah I mean Sertan is arguably the best corner in the league so I I think if you're a team like <laughs> you're not even asking what it would take to get that player yeah you're out of your mind yeah uh he, he's phenomenal and he's I think he's 23 so yeah uh, but like to your point I think Slay has looked fine this year I'm starting to just keep my eye on James Bradbury a little bit. Uh, he wasn't the the quickest corner in the league to begin with. Uh, and he hasn't had a great start to his season. So I'm just, I'm keeping an eye on that. Now, the problem is if you trade for a, a starting corner, like what do you, what do you do? Yeah. You know, you don't really. Bet, better be one who can go into the slot and play. If you're trading for. I don't think you. But that's the point. If you're they not revisit getting... the Bradbury to the slot thing. If they, if all... they went out and got Sertain today, would you play him in the slot or would you play Bradbury in the slot? You'd probably play Bradbury because he has the familiarity in there yeah. in the system. But 
not ideal. And then you're not maximizing James Bradbury. So uh, that's why it's a tricky thing there. But, you know, if you get a young player like that, you're not trading for this year either. Like, you obviously, you're going to play him. He's the best corner in the league. But you're talking about, like, all right, we want this guy for the next decade. Um, and, but, like, I could see them trading for a nickel. I don't think that's out of the question. Uh, it's kind of a shame that Bradley Roby got hurt so early. I was kind of thinking they'd have all this time to really get a good look at him. And yeah. Decide whether or not he was the right fit at that nickel spot. And then he, he hurts his shoulder and he misses the last two games. So you lose all this time to evaluate him. Uh, that's tricky because I don't know if you have a good read on whether or not he's going to be good enough there, but you did bring him in. He played fairly well that first time you threw him out there. And now it's like, I, I don't know what they're thinking there. I, I think if there was a, a nickel that made sense and was kind of a plug and play guy, they would entertain that. What, what are they thinking there, Dave? Because they've used, and I asked James this last week coming into the game in Washington, they've used eight different slot cornerbacks this year. Um, and I throw Slay in there because he played a couple snaps in there against the Rams. So really seven, but and that didn't work well. No, didn't work well. Um, I mean, come on. At some point, you gotta you gotta sit on the pod, as they say. You gotta pick somebody. I I and even last week it's Sidney Brown, and then here's Eli Ricks. And then all of a sudden you start having the problems. There's communication issues. The, op- the middle of the field is wide open all day. I, I on one hand, I like Sean decides what he's open-minded. He seems to, I'll try this, I'll try that. I like that. But at some point, you got to make a decision. Hopefully, that decision is Roby or insert trade pickup. Yeah, and I think it would be. It's but they have injuries, so um, like I, I agree with your general premise there. Like all the it's it's really at, at the nickel spot and at linebacker, we're seeing a rotation. Yeah, which is two spots you don't normally see rotation. So when it works, you give Sean Desai's flowers. When it doesn't work, you go, what the heck are you doing, man? Like <laughs> you're putting extra stress on the communication. Uh, and that's not a great situation to be in. Uh, obviously losing Avante Maddox and Zach McPherson so early didn't help things. Uh, I don't know why they kept Mario Goodrich around if they weren't going to at least give him a shot to be the guy. When, uh, when, Avante Maddox went down. That was strange roster construction. Yeah. Uh, in my view, like why even keep him then? Um, yeah. yeah, it was clear what they were doing this last game. It was Sidney Brown on early downs and Eli Ricks on nickel downs and passing situations. So I, oh, they're all nickel situations, but um, on clear pass on third yeah. downs, they were going with Eli Ricks. Uh, I, I thought Sidney gave them something from a physicality standpoint, but obviously he was, getting picked apart in the past game when they were targeting him. Uh, I, I'd rather see Eli Ricks out there. I think they have something in this kid. I don't know long-term if that means he's like a starting caliber player, but I like what I've seen from him. I, I'd probably play him more in there than I would Sydney right now, but I think the goal has to be to get Roby back or, or to, to find another guy to just take that spot. Since we're talking roster construction and cornerbacks, what does this say about Keely Ringo? Well, you, John just ran down the list of umpteen individuals they've gotten out there to take some snaps, be it in the slot or wherever else. Keely Rengo never plays for them. All he does is special teams. Otherwise, Spare he's point. face on the sidelines. He was a fourth-round pick. They were very excited about Oh, couldn't believe he dropped to the fourth round. He goes, 
I think we're seeing the reason that he dropped to the fourth round is maybe he was overrated going into the draft. What do we read on Keely Ringo's inability to get any snaps with the Eagles defense his rookie year? Yeah, I don't know if overrated is right. I, I think certainly raw. Uh, but that was something we knew. We knew he was a, a super toolsy project player. Um, I'm not surprised to see some of these guys get reps over him. And, and look, I don't think Ringo is a, a fit inside as a nickel um, because of his his body size, his body makeup and his size. His length. I just, I don't, I but don't here's think. where I say that, Dave. Because that's where I would go right off the bat. Well, he's an outside corner, but that so was Bradbury. They put him inside. Now he's a veteran, so you can leave that. So is Ricks. Ricks, yeah, is Ricks. Too. Ricks is not a, a, a slot corner by frame or or body type. He's certainly not hefty. Uh, but they tried him, and he's over Ringo, and he's pretty raw. I I do think I don't think it's. There should be any panic. I mean, there's no harm in redshirting a rookie in the NFL. We saw it with Cam Jurgens. We saw it with Nicobe Dean. But just because there's been so many injuries and they've used so many bodies and they didn't even give Ringo a chance, I think it's a little bit of a, uh, what's going on there? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Ricks has a, the body to play inside more than Ringo does. I think the concerning thing, if there is a concerning thing, is that I don't know if you noticed this, but when Darius Slay was about to come off the field in the last game for a snap, it was not Ringo or Josh Job taking over. It was Eli Ricks. I think um, they just like Ricks an awful lot. I, I think it's more about what Ricks is doing. Um, he's clearly overtaken Josh Job as the top outside backup at this point. So he, he's the next guy on the field no matter what. Um, which, you know, he, he's an undrafted kid. Maybe they found something. I don't know. Um, I, I put that more on him than Ringo. I get your point, but like we knew when they drafted Keely, no, Ringo, yeah, yeah, he you're wasn't right. ready. You're right. So it's like, you're it right. feels revisionist to me at this point to be like, well, why isn't he on the field? Well, because they didn't plan on having him on the field this year. Well, did they plan on having Ricks on the field this year? No, but okay. I think he was well, more NFL ready. But Ringo gets drafted in the fourth round and Ricks is undrafted? Yeah, because you're not drafting thinking about a spot starter or spot player in week seven. You're drafting because you think there's up. Yeah, you're drafting long term. But I would say the Ricks and and by the way, Ricks, Ricks has done, drafted. Ricks has done a phenomenal job, but not only didn't he get drafted, I think he got five thousand was his bonus. Um like it, I think because of his reputation coming into college at LSU, he was at LSU before Alabama. He was a five-star prospect. He was a lot of people said he was the top cornerback uh, prospect in the country. Never lived quite lived up to that hype. Um, but he didn't get drafted, and he got five grand as an undrafted. Now Reed got five grand, and this turned into a heck of a player. So it's not like the NFL doesn't get these things wrong. But you know those signing bonuses, Dave, they mean something when it comes to undrafted guys. So there were not only teams passing over him in the draft, but saying, eh, yeah, we don't think we don't think much of this player. So on one hand, I give him a ton of credit for overcoming that. And now he's part of the rotation. He's playing. 
He's surpassed guys with bigger reputations. On the other hand, I'm like, why you brought up Goodrich? He got he had to play against Justin Jefferson and Cooper Cup. That's it. That's his chance. And and to a certain degree, Josh Joe playing outside. That's it. That's his chance. Are they moving on too quickly from these players that they kept on the roster for a reason? Yeah, based on what I've seen, yeah. Um, the, the tricky part about this time of year is we're not at practice. So yeah. our evaluation ends with what we see in games and what we saw in training camp, whereas, you know, they're evaluating day to day. And it's just tough for me to say without seeing that, yeah. like what they're seeing out there. It's clearly that's part of their evaluation. That's a big part of it that uh, we're just kind of, you know, we're left in the dark on that. All right, Dave Z, I'm going to make you Harry Roseman for a minute here. We're going to do a little role play. You're in your office and the phone rings at about 3.30. And it's uh, Quincy Mensa Adolfo, the general manager of the Ooh. Minnesota Vikings. And he says, like, Howie. Real quick, you're like Leo DiCaprio in Wolf of Wall Street. You're saying yes, because you yeah. know you're going you're gonna to pill for this guy. The secretary calls and says, uh, Mr. Mensa on the first on line <laughs> one. And yeah, I don't know if Howie, if you feel the need, go ahead and fist bump now. Um <laughs> And Quincy tells you, listen, you may have heard, uh, I don't have my quarterback anymore. So I'm looking for a quarterback. And you've got Marcus Mariota, who's a veteran, who's been there, done that, whatever. I'm going to need Marcus and a day three pick. Uh, we can negotiate four, five, six, seven, whatever round it's going to be. I give you my number one pick this upcoming season. For Marcus Mariota. Marcus <laughs> Mariota and on. a day three pick. Hey, uh, they got a first round pick for Sammy Sleeves a no, couple of years ago. Come on. If, no. if 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 Quincy is crazy enough to offer you a first round nah. pick for Marcus Mariota and a day three, you saying yes, Howie? Uh if I'm I'm Howie in this. Yeah. Uh, I'll say, yeah, hold on. Uh go someone go find Marcus Mariota. Tell them to meet me at my car. We're going yeah. to drive to the airport. Yeah, that's now even I don't I think Quezzy's not been very good since he's taken over. But no, and I think there's a lot of dumb GMs in the world. I, I'll say this. Third round. Here, here's more realistic, Dave. If they offer a third round pick for Marcus Mariota, would Howie do that? Because I don't think he would because he values the backup quarterback position too much. And he doesn't want – the Vikings are going to start Jaron Hall, who's a fifth-round pick this week. He doesn't want to start Tanner McKee if if if, if Jalen Hurts sprains an ankle. But that's sort of a first-round first pick. I mean, yes, third-round pick. Would he, would he even consider that type of deal? It's tough because the quarterback is already hurt. Yeah. I mean, he's already hurt. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're one knee tweak away from needing that backup already. So um, <clears throat> it's interesting for a third round pick. If I'm, if I'm Howie, I would probably do that. I don't, I don't know if he would. Uh, a third is interesting. A fourth, probably not. Yeah. I would say it's got to be day two. He would, yeah, I, if it's a day I, two you pick, think that's about really it. tempting. You got to um, think about it. But, I mean, you know how much this team values the quarterback position. You've had, you, it, like, even if Jalen wasn't already hurt, he's gotten hurt in back to back Decembers. 
and you've had yeah. to play your backup. So uh, it's a really important spot. Now, Tanner McKee was better than Marcus Mariota all summer. Correct. That does not mean it translates when games are being played. So, like, I, I think that they would rather have the veteran in there. I, I know they would rather have the veteran in there. There's a reason he's still number two. So, I don't think he would be willing to trade him unless – Jody comes in with that first round. <laughs> that's why. That's why I went as high that's as why. I did to make well, it debatable. I, I don't even think it's debatable. Yeah, they take a first round pick, but I. That's why I would toned it down to. All a right. So round. now I'll go the other way and I'll play devil's advocate. What happens if they take the first round pick and Jalen Hurts goes down and Tanner McKee can't play? Does Howie Roseman come under uh, severe criticism? Well, yeah, I don't know if severe. I, I think everyone would understand the situation if you get a first round pick. Uh, he might be kicking himself a little bit because they can win this year. Uh, because yeah. like, I, I can speak to what it's like to have a good team and not have a quarterback. I'm a Jets fan. Uh, it's it's a problem. If you don't have a quarterback you trust, you got a damn good team and you think you can win because the Jets have a phenomenal defense and beat the Eagles, you get a little unnerved when your quarterback can't make plays. So if the Eagles don't go to the Super Bowl because Jalen Hurts got hurt and Tanner McKee is their quarterback, uh, yeah, if Tanner plays poorly, how he should definitely be, even if he's blown away by a first-round draft pick offer, he, he's he's rolling the dice no, a little I'm bit taking, if he makes I'm that trade. That first round pick. I think any gym in the league takes that first-round pick. Yeah. Now, third round, I, I seriously think about it, but I probably beg off because I'm a Super Bowl contender. And also, I don't know if any teams are like clamoring to get Marcus Mariota. No, I don't. You know, you might Jameis Winston. You know, would yeah, would the Saints take a third round pick for the Vikings? Should sign Carson Wentz? Yeah, it's amazing to me. I talked about that yesterday. Nobody talks about Carson Wentz. It's one of the great downfalls in history. I want a Dave Zangaro book about that. This kid, Carson Wentz, was. A tremendous player. I think people forget that. It's rare that you you reach those heights and you fall that precipitously so quickly. And it's not just injuries. There was a it's it's like a big cocktail of well, we know the story. I don't want to re-legislate it, but have you ever seen anything like it, Dave? Just no, it's unique. Um his whole career was unique. And it's the people forget, people think it was only 2017. It wasn't. I mean, he was okay the next year. And in 2019, he takes him to the playoffs. Yeah. If his head doesn't get slammed against the ground by JW and Clowney, like the the whole trajectory of the franchise can be different. I'll I'll explain to both of you guys, and Johnny Mac should get this because he's a baseball wonk like me. One, two, three strikes, you're out at the old ball game. Eagles. Colts, Commanders. See you. You're out. I'm sorry. I don't care how great he was in 2017, which is now a while ago, six years ago. Yeah, he was an MVP candidate. It may have been the leader. Dave pointed out, it's not. It wasn't just 2017. He, you know, that was his apex, but he was still a a a good quarterback in 2018, 2019. Um, and yeah. Obviously, it it went down from there. But you're talking about a week where you're going to see Clayton Toon and Jaron Hall start NFL games. Um, 
who who the hell was playing quarterback for the Giants last week? What's his name? Uh, DeVito, Tommy DeVito. Tommy DeVito. I, 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 Carson Wentz can't get a job. It's it's amazing to me. The unknown of those three individuals you just thrown out throughout there outweighs the known of Carson Wentz. You can disagree with it, but that's the way the NFL looks yeah. at it right now. I didn't want to unknown this, unknown this better Wentz. than known, which no. isn't good enough. All right, back to the back to the uh, back to this team. Um, one player I want to talk to you about, Dave, is Nicobe Dean. Boy, he was not good in pass coverage uh, no. in Washington. Um, disastrous, I might even say. Um, it, there's been talk about how he's looking at linebackers um, as well. And Nicholas Morrow's played well. Now, I didn't expect it, but if the NFL's a meritocracy, why is Nicobe Dean getting more reps than Nicholas Morrow? right now yeah that's a fair question um the the rotation to me just doesn't make sense um and and i like that sean desai like plays all these guys and it gets them ready for the game and they're involved but you're switching out mike linebackers yeah. and in this game it wasn't even like the previous game it was that cunningham plays every snap and then morrow and nicobe split up the mic this week we saw Morrow and Nicobe out there together. So it's like it's really just mixing and matching. And you're already mixing and matching up front. Now you're moving around. You're you have been like mixing and matching in, in the secondary with safety before this week. And then with the nickel spot, you're playing a ton of zone coverage. Like <laughs> your spacing is all out of whack. It makes it really tricky. I agree with you on on Nicobe not playing well. Um Maybe it's my selfishness because I've waited so long to see Nicobe Dean play football. Like, I just want to see him play. I want to see him just be the Mike linebacker, see what he has. Uh, and, and look, if he's really not good enough, then you change it. But, I mean, we haven't seen that yet. Like, I just want to see Nicobe Dean play football. And uh, maybe that's foolish because maybe he hasn't earned it. Maybe I'm, I'm watching his college tape and, and thinking of that too much. But I just want to see the kid play. Here's another guy that I want to question, and let me get on the record. He gets a complete pass for this past week for me. But the way I evaluate him going into this weekend's Dallas may change a little bit because it was disappointing. Kevin Bayard, everybody loved the deal, didn't give up a lot to get him, former pro bowler. He did not play well the other day. Do we give him just a complete pass because they threw him in there five days, figure everything out, learn the system, communicate with your teammates, just a little bit too much to have him take every snap on defense? Or do we get to evaluate him this week and say, all right, you had practice, you had all those valuable walkthrough minutes that you guys had, time for you to uh, show up as a better version of Kevin Bayard than they got his first week in an Eagle uniform. Yeah, I'm not going to kill him for not playing well. In, in those circumstances. And, and like I mentioned, when, when we're talking about like a, a team that runs zone coverages like that for a safety, like he has to kind of feel out where everyone is on the field. And then it was just wonky because you can tell mm -hmm. these guys haven't played together. Uh, it's going to take some time. That's just part of it. Like it, he's going to figure that out. I still think he's going to be a really good player. I, I couldn't believe how accountable and, and how honest he was post game about his play and the play of the secondary. <clears throat> um, it, it's very rare that I leave the locker room after a game with a story that I didn't expect. 
like for the most part, like you know what the news is, right? You know what happened in the game. You're trying to find out exactly like the inner workings of what happened. But he just stood there and said it wasn't good enough. And no excuses for me, no excuses for the secondary. We had to play better. He talked about like accountability and, and watching tape better and practicing better. And I was really impressed by that. I think it's it's a tricky thing sometimes for a veteran to walk into a new locker room and uh, become yeah. a leader immediately. That doesn't it's it's a tricky thing because this is a team that has leaders. I mean, they have three defensive captains. They have guys who have been here a long time, but uh, he wasn't tiptoeing around it. He was making his presence felt. I think he's going to be a good player. I, I'm not too concerned about him. Um, not that you give him a complete pass, but look, he got here on Tuesday yeah. and played 72 snaps. He played the whole game on, yeah. uh, on, which, on Sunday, you know, which I was expecting, by the way. Um, yeah. And I do give him a complete pass for a lot of those reasons. And everything I've heard about Kevin is just, you know, he's a five-time team captain down there. I was talking, we were talking to our old buddy, Teron Davenport. He was like, this guy's just, he's, he's, he'll talk about everything. He'll, he, he's a leader, but you're right. When it comes to fitting into a new locker room, people, you know, tend to take a step back. They don't want to seize that role, but I think he's going to earn it uh, because that's just the type of guy he is. And he's a really good player. And I think, as soon as he learns the defense, everything's going to be fine. So, um, yeah, I'm going to give him a complete pass and say, all right, you know, he only had five days to get ready, a couple practices, Wednesday walkthrough. Um, but I want to – and we started with Howie. I'll end it with Howie with you, Dave, because it's his day at D Zangaro NBCS. Follow Dave on Twitter, X, whatever you like to call it these days. NBC Sports Philadelphia does a tremendous job there. Um, after the Miami game, it was great, right? Miami's averaging 500 yards, 37 points. The Eagles give them 244. The defense gives up 10. And Howie's like, nope, we're not good enough. I'm going to go get Kevin Bayard. This week, it's the exact opposite. They look like the worst back seven in the history of football against Sam Howell and the Commanders. Is he going to overreact to that, or is he just honest? And to me, that's his strength. He's honest about what he has and what he doesn't have. He's not going to be an EKG. Oh, we played poorly. I got to go do this. Um, is that your feel for Howie? Yeah, I don't. I don't think the the two results of the game change in any way his strategy. Um, you know, I, if there had been an injury then I think that would certainly spur action. You know, if there was a major injury at a position where they really value it, like that could, could make him pull the trigger on a trade, but like the individual results from like, you know, where your strengths are, you know, where your weaknesses are, you know, how you value positions going into this. Maybe the Miami game just showed him like, okay, yeah, we're still really good. We should go all in. Like maybe it's something like that, but, now, I don't expect him to overreact to this Washington game. I don't think we really like. It's a weird deal. Like, this enemy offense gives him fits. Yeah, that was a good game plan. That was a great game plan. It was a great game him. plan. They they ran it really well. Sam Howell played well. 
you tip your cap a little bit. I, I don't think it like changes the outlook of this team at all. All right, Dave Z, I need a prediction from you. And it might be a prediction that could swing the balance of power in this Sunday's game against the Cowboys. Will Brandon Aubrey miss his first field goal in the, his NFL career? Friggin' guys, 18 for 18 so far. The best start an NFL kicker has ever had in his career. And he's a Dallas Cowboy, and he's coming to Philadelphia this week. Will he miss a field goal? I got to check the weather report. Yeah, um, the weather. That's what yeah. I was doing. Northeast yeah. weather. And uh, it's Sunday afternoon, late game. So you might get some swirling wind down there. Right. Yeah, the open end of the stadium's a problem, according a problem. to Jake Elliott. Uh, it's yeah. possible. He, he gets to kick in that dome all the time. So I think it's definitely in, in the realm of possibility. 18 for 18 goes by the boards against the Eagles on Sunday. Hopefully that's the case. Dave Z, always a pleasure, brother. Appreciate that, even though there's no shades of Hawaii down in Wildwood. It's a pretty cool-looking hat. I give you that much. It's an ocean. It's a shade. (laughs) It's an ocean. Yeah, the Atlantic's not quite the Pacific either, but that's a whole other thing. Uh, Zingaro, always a pleasure, bud. Thank you very much for hopping in with us, Dave. Thanks, Dave. Dave Zingaro, NBC Sports. It's going to be uh, 67 on Sunday and sunny, but it's going down to 45. So as the as it gets darker, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, never know. And I got to take a, a, a mea culpa on this one. Three things that I questioned with the Cowboys during the offseason, I think people just passed over at evaluating them coming into the year. The fact that they lost their tight end. The kid stepping in at tight end, Ferguson's been pretty good. Uh, I didn't know if he was going to be as good. I knew that Schoonmaker wasn't ready to step in and be, and they used a second-round pick on him. He hadn't done diddly squad. But better at tight end than I thought. I really questioned whether a USFL kicker kicking in empty stadiums was going to be able to come in and kick field goals in a National Football League. The guy's made 18 in a row. So I ate uh, crow on that one. I still question whether Mike McCarthy can call plays. We'll see what he does this week. John Desai didn't have a great week this last week. Jody McDonald's opinion. Uh, you got you got out chess maneuvered by the Washington offense coordinator badly. You can't let that happen this week with Mike McCarthy. You just can't. I, I'm I'm a McCarthy, okay. People hate him. They lousy coach. I don't think he's a bad coach. I think he's a pretty good head coach. I never thought he was a good play caller and uh, he's had a modicum of success this year with Dallas. We, we can go through every single game and, and dissect it and pick it apart. Um, the, the Eagles need to get the better of that matchup this week, their defense against the Cowboy offense. Otherwise, I'm going to be 0 for 3, and I'm going to have to eat some really Cowboy, big The Cowboys are – we're going to talk about it all week, but the Cowboys are better than Eagles fans give them credit for is how I would describe them. They're a very talented group. <laughs> When they play well, where I would say the Eagles have an advantage and the Eagles the Eagles are more well-rounded and they tend to find ways to win. The Cowboys, when they bring their A game, are very, very difficult to deal with. But, you know, they also have some stinkers thrown in there. And nice. when they have those stinkers, everybody has stinkers. But when they have those stinkers, they don't they don't find ways to get over the hump. Eagles do. No, they wouldn't. The both of the games they've lost this year, they've lost pretty badly to both the Cardinals and the 49ers. All right, Mac and Mac coming back, put a ball on the show. Keep it here on Birds 365. 
If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. My name is Dr. Bruce Grossinger. And I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to move to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program assures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Win and save this baseball season from Colony Pools and Power Washing, a local company serving Delaware, Delco, and Chester County since 1970. Are you tired of looking at your greenhouse? Is your roof, siding, deck stained green from algae and mold? Let the experts pressure wash your home and take the pressure off of you. Win with Colony Pools and Power Washing. Call them now at 302-762-2250. That's 302-762-2250. Running out of time here on a Tuesday edition of Birds 365, a Halloween edition of Birds 365, a trade deadline day edition of Birds 365. So, Johnny Mac, yay or nay, next six hours, Howie Roseman got another deal to do? Um, I'm going to go yay, but I think it's going to be a lesser deal. Um, I don't think we're going to see the big splash deal. Um so I'm but gonna a, go. I'm a, gonna go. A I'm player gonna... coming in who can help the team. Not yesterday, what? which was a subtract. You, it might be a player oh, going you're still out. Playing into that Derek Barnett thing. It might be a player. They I... can't get anything for that guy. No, I'm not talking about. They it. can't even get what they got. Contavious Street was, a, which was a move up of one round. They won't even get that for Derek Barnett. Well, you know, I always say people said they couldn't get something for Jalen Rager. They get something. They get something for everybody. There's a lot of bad GMs. I said yesterday. I don't even know if they want to trade Derek Barnett because um, of of what they value their defensive front. Um, but you know, similar to the the what we talked about with street ajomo you have somebody maybe you want to open up some space for nolan smith or maybe you don't we just talked about Kalei ringo um nolan hasn't been great in his limited reps either um 
So who knows? But overall, I would say no splash, but maybe um, a mid-level sort of type of deal. Whatever Howie Roseman does today, we'll be back tomorrow to talk about it right here on Birds 365. You back with me in 22, Johnny Mac? Planning on it. Let's see what Howie does, you know. Yeah. Will it be a trick or a treat by the Eagles general manager? We'll be back to talk about it here on Birds 365. Bill Calarulo going to be talking about it coming up next on the Philly Sports Power Hour right here on the Jacob Media YouTube station. Mac and Mac back in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.